you and your faith, um, impelling you to on this journey, this missional journey. And this has really been the goal of our series as well, that it would be something that strengthens our faith. That's what we just, this is what we just sang about. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. We're hoping that this series will be something that strengthens our relationship with God, that strengthens our trust in God, that our faith would be made stronger in the presence of our Savior. We're working through a series on lament, and so we're learning the process of lament. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. If you've been here longer than I've been alive, welcome. Uh, We're glad you're here. One thing I haven't done in this series yet is really tell kind of our story in regards to lament and kind of how we landed here. And I thought it might be helpful for me to, for me to do that um, for, a minute, for a minute this morning. And so about seven years ago, we thought we were done having kids. We have four healthy active kids, really thought we were done. And then, and then we found out Cheyenne was pregnant. And uh, I don't know what your reaction to that would be or has been in, in your past, but, but for me, um, well, first, Cheyenne processed this news by crying for two days. <laughs> which was much healthier than my response. I just got mad. I I was mad. And I knew that that's not a good place for a dad to be, not a good place for a husband to be, not a good place for a pastor to be, not a good, I just can't stay, I just, I knew that staying mad was not a godly option. So how do I get unmad? So what I decided to do was thank God for this pregnancy out loud every day at every meal, especially at dinner time. And so for eight months, however long we knew that Cheyenne was pregnant, I thanked God out loud for this pregnancy so that I could hear myself thanking God, so that God could hear me thanking God, so that Cheyenne could hear me thanking God to try to process this just anger, this unhappiness, this just mad. And, you know, as, as I thank God and I thank God and I thank God, I, my heart grew warm to having another kid. And I got to where I was really looking forward to having another kid. Where I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to having a baby. And so it was like this, this, this process of getting, getting okay with the idea and then, and then, if you've been here for a while, you know that you know that justice ended up being stillborn. Here we were. Shane was past her due date. I mean, this was—I want to say he was seven pounds. Like he was. This is a—he looked just like our other kids. And I remember thinking, why? Why? We thought we were done. Why would you give us this baby and then take it away? Why would you do that? For me, 
this was a crisis of faith. Have you ever had a crisis of faith? We're going to look at the psalmist, and the psalmist is having a crisis of faith. He's asking questions that maybe you've asked. He's asking, how long will you leave me for dead? That's the Nathan Smith translation. He asks, how long will you forget about me? How long will you hide your face from me? Where do you go when I need you? He'll ask, why, why am I in a spot where I'm filled with problem solving all day long? And problem solving is a fancy word for worrying all day long. Why is there anxiety all day long, every day? Why am I in the middle of these problems? Why is my heart filled with sorrow all day long? And why are my enemies, why do they keep on winning? It's a crisis of faith. It's like, why, why do the bad guys keep winning? Whether it's, whether it's an abuser who keeps on winning and keeps on getting away with it, or whether it's, in our, in our minds, our enemies might be sin. Why does this sin have me on a leash still? I thought I was 10 years past this sin, and it still got me on a leash. Why do these demons keep on winning? It's a crisis of faith. Let me pray before we jump in. Lord, these are your people. Lord, for their sake and your glory, stand in front of me while I stand in front of them. And talk over me while I talk to them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Psalm 13, if you'd like to turn there. Psalm 13. And while we read through the psalm, what I'd like to do is review the steps of lament that we've talked about so far and this process that would take us, that would help our pain become a path towards God, that would help our loss lead us towards God, that would take our anger and use it as an accelerant for faith. Okay, so Psalm 13, verse 1 says, How long, O Lord? If you're into counting things or underlining things in your Bible, you might count or underline the how longs. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? Hey, hey, does your significant other like to be forgotten about? Do you like to be forgotten about? When you're in big trouble and you really need help, do you like to be forgotten about? And the psalmist is looking up, saying, how long will you keep forgetting about me? Will it be forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I keep talking, and it's like you're looking the other way with your hands over your face, and how can I communicate to you when you're hiding your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul? How long will I keep on having to problem solve and problem solve and problem solve? How long will I be filled with anxiety and worry? How long will I have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long? 
How long will be long enough? How long until you solve this? How long until you show up and do something? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? How long will sin have me on this leash? How long will the demons win? How long will they be held captive? How long until the abusers are dealt with? How long, O Lord? How long? Hey, if you've been tracking with us for a couple weeks, do you recognize what the psalmist is doing? The psalmist is in his pain and grief. He is turning to God. Instead of getting turned around and turning away from God and just getting mad at God or leaving God or giving God the silent treatment, he is turning to God and saying, I, need, I mean, there's other things he could turn to. There's other people he could turn to. And you know what things you'd be tempted to turn to instead of God? But the psalmist is gathering up his pain and his loss and his anger, and he is bringing it to God, saying, you got to help me with this. He's turning to God. What else is he doing? Well, I'd say he's saying what's wrong. I'd say he's complaining. I'd say he's saying, God, this is what's wrong. Here's what's wrong. I keep praying to you and you keep forgetting about me. I keep praying to you and you keep turning your face the other way. Here's what's wrong. I keep praying to you and the problem is still there and so I'm still taking counsel in my soul. I'm still problem solving all day long. Here's what's wrong, God. The enemies are still winning. He's turning to God and he's telling God what's wrong. We've been talking about this for a couple weeks. Have you done that yet? Have you, have you had the, the courage to turn to God and say what you need to say? Have you trusted God with what you need to trust God with and bring that to God and say, God, here's, here's where I'm at right now. Here's how this feels. Okay, so what's the next step? Well, here's the next step. Verse 3. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Like, okay, it seems like I keep praying and you keep forgetting, but I, I know that you'll hear me and I know that you will. So, Lord, consider and answer me. Light up my eyes. It's like everything is fading away and he's getting sicker and sicker and sicker and he's knows he's going to die. Or it's like the enemies are pressing in and his eyes are getting dimmer and dimmer as he knows he's going to die. And we know that from the next phrase. Lest I sleep the sleep of death. If you don't do something about this, I'm going to die. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Here's what he's doing. He's turning to the Lord He's telling the Lord what's wrong, and then he is asking for help. Lest my foes be shaken, my foes rejoice because I am shaking. He's like, God, you don't want this, I don't want this, so please, please help. Please give light to my eyes. Please heal me so I don't sleep the sleep of death, and they rejoice. 
So please come and help me. He turns to the Lord. He tells the Lord what's wrong. And he asks for help. Okay? Then what comes next? Well, here we are. But, okay, this is a transition word. We're about, to, we're about to make a change. You're about to see a change in tone. But, I have trusted in your steadfast love. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why all this stuff happens. I don't know what you're doing. But here's what I'm trusting in. I am trusting in your steadfast love. And this is, this is the next step, to trust God. The goal of lament is trust, that you would trust God, that you'd process this pain so it doesn't become malignant, that you'd deal with this loss so you don't get lost in it, that you deal with this anger so it doesn't burn you up or burn the innocent bystanders around you, that you deal with this pain, this loss, this anger in a way that results in trusting God. Now, this is a choice. And... It's grace as God moves towards us. So the psalmist writes, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. I told you a little bit about the whiplash that I felt as, as we thought we were done and then we found out Cheyenne was pregnant and then we found out we were done again and how, how that was a crisis of faith, how that was so, and I just didn't understand Why? Shortly, I don't know, we, we went to go see some friends in the hospital who, who had a baby. And uh, to kind of help process that experience, this is, this is what I wrote. I entered the hospital room and was carefully handed a happy, healthy newborn boy. And as I felt their son's living warmth and squirming vitality, I also, and the key word, the next word is really important, I also involuntarily, this is not something I wanted to happen, I also involuntarily felt my son's cold and still body. I looked down at the warm red in their son's cheeks, and I also saw the dead gray of my son's cheeks. As I laughed with them, I also remembered weeping with my stricken wife over our full-term yet stillborn son. Their brightly lit and palpable happiness mirrored the darkness of our suffocating grief. I'm telling you that to tell you that you make the decision to trust God when things are hard. Because you've experienced times when things are hard. 
where it's hard to trust God, where the pain is raw. In this case, I just felt completely torn in half. And I'm standing there feeling torn in half, looking happy. And I just have to tell you, the Heavenly Father came to me in that moment. It wasn't me looking up. It was Him coming down and meeting me. And saying, see how much I love you? And as I'm thinking about my son's corpse, I started to think about Jesus' corpse. And how the Father voluntarily went through that for us. And it was one of those moments where I looked up and said, okay. Okay. You, know, you love us. I don't understand why. I wouldn't pick this, but I know you love us. I can't, I can't argue with that. This is what the psalmist is saying, but I have trusted your steadfast love. Steadfast love is like electrical wire that runs through the lamp of the Old Testament that really gets turned on brilliantly bright in the person of Jesus and especially in his death on the cross. That steadfast love is the vein or the seam that runs all the way through the Bible and comes all the way to fruition in Jesus and on his death on the cross for our sins. And so when you're thinking about trusting God, here's what you trust. You trust his steadfast love. This is, this is really what came home for me. This is what, what I really realized is I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why it's going on. I, I wouldn't pick it, but I know that he loves me. And I know he loves us. I've heard it said, when you feel like you can't trust his plan, at least trust his wounds. And for me, for me that statement was, Trust his corpse because he died in our place. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, and that's what it cost. Trust him. You see, you see the psalmist, he says, here's, here's what you trust about God. You trust his steadfast love. Then he says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. So when the psalmist is writing this, he's almost surely thinking about salvation like salvation in the Exodus where they're, they're rescued from their oppressors or they're rescued from the bad guys where they're freed from slavery. And, and it could very well be that when we're thinking of salvation, we should think of this in a similar way of we're rescued from the evil that is attacking us. But we have a much bigger experience of salvation than that. We have much more knowledge to draw on now on the other side of Jesus' presence with us and his death and his resurrection. We have much, a much wider scope. And so we rejoice that one day we'll be free of all the evil that attacks us and all the temptation that chases us around, of the sin that so easily entangles us. We have this... One day we'll be free 
of the sin that corrupts and pollutes everything. One day we'll be free of all of it. On the day when God returns as king and holds everyone to account and evil is eradicated. On the day when God, the creator, reclaims, reclaims all of creation and everything is made new. We have this hope. We have the day in mind that is still to come when death and crying and pain will be no more. This is what Mark writes about on page 14 of the Acknowledgements. When he writes this about resurrection hope and about salvation, he writes, I long for the day when a little grave in Grasshop Cemetery will yield the body of my daughter and my faith will be made sight. This is the salvation that we long for. This is the salvation that we hope in. Why do you trust God? You trust God because of his steadfast love, his dying on the cross love. Why do you trust God? You trust him because of resurrection hope. Because one day he'll return and make all things right and new. And then look how the psalm ends. It's, it's fascinating in verse 6. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Hey, how long ago was it that he was asking, how long will you leave me for dead? How long, you know, how, how, what's the distance between you have dealt bountifully with me and how long will the bad guys keep winning? I don't know, I count verse 3, verse 4, verse 5. That looks like three verses. He's traveled that incredible distance to you have dealt bountifully with me, so I'm going to sing. Can I just remind you, that's the goal of lament, is that transformation where you go from asking your hardest questions, bearing your soul to God, to praising him and trust. Three or four months after we came here, um, we went to... Uh, the Gospel Coalition. You guys generously said um, you can use your conference um, time. So we were like, okay, I think we need, to, we need to get a minute to catch our breath. And so we went to this really big conference. And it had several thousand people um, at, was, was at this pastor's conference. And Cheyenne and I didn't talk to anyone the entire time we were there because we were so tired. I, I mean, I was, we had just moved now, I had just changed jobs. We had just got our kids in new schools. There was, uh, there was the stillbirth. There, there was just so many transitions all at once. And we were so very tired. Um, but So we were there, and I just resolved, I am not going to talk to anyone. I am just going to rest and get fed at this conference. 
And so we went through, I think it was a three-day conference. We went through the whole three days, and I really, truly didn't talk to anyone, not in the workshops, not at mealtime. I didn't talk to anyone. And uh, so we got to the last session on the last day, and there's a bag check because, so you could check out of your hotel room, and then you could check your bags at the conference so you didn't have to take it into the, to the conference with you. And so we checked our bags, as we were going to get our bags, ran into uh, Dr. Whitmer. You get, he, Dr. Whitmer has spoken here a couple times. If you've been here a while, you know who Dr. Whitmer is. And so we caught our eyes, and I said to Cheyenne, I got to go say hi. You know, like, I wouldn't have said hi, but we, our eyes, you know, caught each other, and like, I got to go say hi. So I went over to go say hi to Dr. Whitmer and um, talk to him for a couple minutes. And then another guy comes up. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm still not ready to talk to anyone. And, and uh, he says, hey, Dr. Whitmer said, hey, let me introduce you to, to this guy. And so, so we start talking to him a little bit. And he asks this question. He says, so how many kids do you have? And Cheyenne became a puddle. And uh, he said, well, let me tell you about my daughter, Sylvia. That was Mark Brogop. And he said, hey, why don't you come down to Indianapolis, and I'll kind of give you some coaching on how to pastor while you're grieving. You know, I'll kind of give you some coaching on how to walk with a limp, how to fight while you're wounded. I said, that'd be great. And looking back now, it's one of those things that I can say, look how the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. I think of how you guys took care of us during that season. And I think of how that accelerated the bond between you and our family. And I can look back and I can say, look how the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. I don't know. I still don't know why what happened happened. I still don't know why. But I do know what God was doing. I know he is redeeming it for good. To make us more like Jesus. And that's what I trust. I trust his plan, that it is a bountiful plan, that it is a good plan. I don't know why. And I don't think it's helpful to try to figure it out. But I do know what he's doing with it. That's the promise of Romans 8, 28. And then 29, and then 30. That's the promise in that, in that section of verses that he is redeeming all things to make us more and more like Jesus. So what will you do? Will you trust in the Lord? Well, it starts with turning to the Lord. 
Will you turn to the Lord when, when you're tempted to get turned around and angry? When you're, will you turn to the Lord? You know, one of the things I was thinking that might be helpful to do this week is for you to make a per, your own personal copy of Psalm 13. There's only six verses. You could write it out by hand and prayerfully pray through it and think through it. And as you pray through it and think through it, you might ask, Okay, have I turned to the Lord in my pain? Am I turning to the Lord? What do I need to turn to the Lord with? Turn to the Lord. Or, or I guess you could give him the silent treatment. You know, you, you, you know, you know that temptation of when you go through something really hard that's really painful to say, you know what, I'm never going to go to church again. I'm never going to serve again. I'm never going to be involved again. I'm never going to give again. I'm never going to pray again. And just turn around, turn away from God, and just give him the silent treatment. And I, I can just tell you, that is not a recipe for healing. That's not a way out. So turn to the Lord. I mean, that, I'm, I'm kind of offering that to you as a choice. Will you turn to the Lord? Then, when you turn to the Lord, tell him what's wrong. Tell him what's wrong. I mean, as you're writing through this, you can tell him what's wrong. Or, you know, the other option would be to live in denial. And just say, let's just not talk about it. Let's just kind of push it down, push it down, push it down. Let's, let's pretend it's not there. And, and I tell you, denial? Denial is a form of lying. And denial will not lead to trust. Not between us and God. And not between us each other. So turn to the Lord and tell him what's wrong. Then ask for help. The barriers here might be that you are, have been trained your whole life to say, you know, I'm going to figure this out on my own. I can do this. I'll solve it. And let me just tell you, God and his grace will bring things into your life that are too big and too hard for you to teach you to trust him. Or you might, you know, another barrier might be you saying, this is too small a thing for God. I'm too small a person for God. God has bigger and better and more stressful things out there. I, I just, I am too small. I'm like a peon in the universe and God doesn't have time for people like me. And let me just offer you this. That is an awfully small view of God. Throughout the Bible, the testimony is again and again and again. He knows the number of hairs that are on your head. Sparrows are not too small for him. He is so big. He has time for all of you. Every question you have. Every hurt you feel. So turn to him, tell him what's wrong, ask for help, and then finally, finally trust him.
This is the goal of lament. This is, this is where it's all leading because trust is the foundation of all relationships. And it's often that we need to lament when it could be that we would get turned around, that we would turn our backs on God, that we would get angry and want to give God the silent treatment or want to leave God. But trust is the goal of lament. And this process has always and all led to trusting God. So pray this psalm. Pray this psalm and let your pain become a path to God. Pray this psalm and let your loss lead you to God. Pray this psalm and let your anger be an accelerant for your faith. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would pull us towards yourself this day. Lord, that you would help us see your glory anew. That you would really help us know that we can be honest and vulnerable with you so that we can turn to you and tell you what's wrong, ask for help, and trust you. Lord, I pray that many souls would be healed today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep trusting the one who keeps you trusting was a phrase that I got out of the book that is so true. Keep trusting the one who keeps you trusting. As we close with this next song, I want you, I'm not going to tell you to stand. To me, this is your option. I just want you to worship in whatever way you feel led to worship through this. <laughs>